You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Yeah, oh, I am a scientist. Yeah, oh, I am a scientist. Yeah, oh, I am a scientist. We gotta live on science Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Unbiased Science, where we bring scientific method to the madness. We're your hosts, Dr. Jessica Steyer and Dr. Andrea Love. And if you tuned in last week, you heard us cover detox diets and juice cleanses. And I'm saying detox, you can't see it, but I'm doing air quotes. Um, We talked about some very well-known diets, such as the master cleanse and some popular trends like celery juice cleanses. We we did a deep dive into, you know, how these diets really deprive you of nutrients and how they could be associated with, um, you know, really potentially serious health implications and that any dietary change should absolutely be discussed with your medical provider, um, you know, to be sure that it's right for you. So you shouldn't enter into them lightly. Don't believe everything you read. Uh, Andrea, anything you wanted to highlight from last week or? or- yeah, I mean, just just reiterating the fact that these are not, you know, they are not diets in the context of lifestyle changes. They're, they're things that are, you know, substantial, you know, deprivation of nutrients, what we consider a crash diet that are, you know, really generally unhealthy for you in a metabolic context. Right. So, okay. So this week we are going to talk about something, I guess, kind of in, in the same, I don't know, same theme. Yeah. We're going to talk about, you know, whether you can really change the acidity of your body. And we'll spend some time talking about the very popular alkaline diet. Before we do that, we're going to start off with some icebreakers. So, Andrea, okay. If you could bring back any fashion trend, what would it be? Oh, my God. I have, <laughs> I don't I don't know. I need to hear yours first. Maybe it'll maybe it'll trigger something for me. Okay. So I have two answers to this. Uh, my first is, and Andrew, you know that this is my answer, the fanny pack. <laughs> I, I am obsessed with fanny packs. They are practical, they are comfortable, accessible, and dare I say, stylish. I I really I love the fanny pack. As you guys hopefully know by now, we've revamped our website and we've actually, uh, among many other exciting features, we've added merch and we have a limited number of items that we're, um, that we're offering right now. But Andrew, you know, I'm pushing hard for a fanny pack. I know. I, I'm <laughs> the only person who gets it, but <laughs> love it. Um, and, and then my other is the scrunchie. I love a scrunchie. I think they're nice and soft on your hair. They don't pull. They don't give me headaches. <laughs> so those would be my answers. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I honestly, I have got nothing. I 
literally wear pajamas <laughs> when I can get away with it. Even in the lab, like when I was, especially in grad school, I would wear sweatpants because I'm just hiding it under my lab coat. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Well, tell me this. Were you one of those people who wore pajamas to school back in the day? Like on pajama day or just in general? So I, I loved pajama day, but there were people in high school, I have so, actually, and junior high school, who would just wear pajamas to school <laughs> with, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants, I don't know, whatever we had on our pajamas. They oh would my gosh. So let's not, can we agree that we should yes. not bring that? Okay. Let's keep not that at do home. that. Keep that keep at that home. At I was, was a bit of a hippie in high school and I was one that wore the long flowy paisley patchwork skirts with tie dye and lots of hemp jewelry. So probably not bringing that one back either. <laughs> Still gorgeous then. Oh my gosh. And we would have we would have been friendly. I'll have to pull up. You know, at some point, Andrea will have to do a throwback and yes. post some of our uh, not so stylish <laughs> photos from back in the day. Okay, next. What is your most used emoji? Oh, well, this one I know for sure. This is the facepalm emoji. Um, sometimes I do the the woman with the facepalm, you know, with the dark hair. But sometimes I just do the monkey that's supposed to be the see no evil, but it looks like he's double facepalming. Um, that is, you know, I send that hundreds of times a day, you, you know, those. solely to you, you know, aside <laughs> from everybody else I'm sending it to. <laughs> well, that's in line with my most popular ones. So I pulled it up on my phone. Uh, the brain exploding emoji. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. You know, the, the, the eek face, you know, where you have like the wide tooth grin, like, uh-oh, <laughs> that face, and the cursing face emoji. Um, those top three. I also have a whole lot of hearts for when I send pictures of my kids or my pets. And I know, Andrew, I don't think you, you're not as into the whole like pop culture scene, but like I, there was this... Um, well, uh, anyway, I'll just say that I also was using the cucumber emoji for a while because I was mildly obsessed with the uh, Hilaria, Hillary Baldwin drama. It, you probably have no idea what I'm talking I have about. No idea what you're okay. talking about. Maybe someone listening will know what I'm talking about. Maybe not. Okay, next. What was your What was your least favorite food as a child, and do you still hate it, or do you love it now? Oh, interesting. One of the things I really mm. hated as a child. Um, Well, I was pretty picky, but one of the things I really hated, and I remember it vividly because my brother Brian loved it and I despised it, were peas. Um, And, and, you know, just basic frozen sweet peas, right? And I could not get past the texture. I don't know what was going on, but, but now I do. In fact, I love them. And, and, um, you know, I actually throw them in all sorts of food things to get a little bump of protein and fiber because they're, they're actually a really healthy, little, uh, little nugget there. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I'm done with, you know, I basically my favorite buttered peas. Mm. So <laughs> the time I'm done with, with some Parmesan myself. cheese on top too. Oh, now I'm starving. Well, my answer is Brussels sprouts. So, you know, mom, I love you, but my mom used to just steam them. I think in the bag from the grocery store with no seasoning, they were just mushy and vile. Um, (laughs) Now I'm obsessed with them. My favorite way to prep is the way my husband makes them. He roasts them with maple syrup and hazelnuts Mm -hmm. and they're crunchy and flavorful and just divine. So 
Brussels yeah. are my number one favorite vegetable. Mm-hmm. Um, them and, and artichokes always have been, always will. I like to do a savory roast, you know, with with mm-hmm. a with a salty finish on them. But um, yeah, I've always been a big fan of those mini cabbages. Wait, really quick question. So this is so, so funny. So I'm, as you know, I'm from Brooklyn. My husband's from Ethan's from California. Um, I grew up eating artichokes with, you know, um, oil and breadcrumbs and garlic shoved in there. You throw them in the oven, delicious. He just steams them and mm-hmm. then dips, dips it in butter. Anyways. Yep, that's oh, what I do. Yep. What the heck? That is so funny. <laughs> oh my God. But see, I I actually get into the leaves and scrape the meat off the leaves, oh, whereas Josh sure. like barely touches the leaves and really goes for just the heart. Oh, um, no. I no, will no. eat. Absolutely every edible part of an artichoke. Dang, you have to scrape the leaves. What I do you know, mean? It looks like a bear breaks in my house when I'm <laughs> artichoke. All right. Well, people are probably rolling their eyes, so maybe we should get to the all right, all right. hand. Although this is so much fun. Okay. So something we hear all the time, I see this all the time on social media, on Facebook and on Instagram. You know, you'd eat eat and drink less acidic foods right? You need to have a more alkaline diet. I see that in particular all the time. I don't know if you also see things that are, you know, are arguing that we should have a more acidic diet, but I'm seeing this constantly. Water advertised as alkaline, change your diet to be more alkaline, all under this guise of remedying some medical issue. I did a quick search and I saw that people spend thousands, like upwards of $5,000 on water ionizer machines to raise the pH of water and make it more alkaline. So what's the deal? Um, This alkaline diet is one of many trendy diets that claim to improve your health, help you lose weight, and even fight cancer. Um, Some of the, the, the two main claims that I see associated with this particular diet, the alkaline diet, are that they'll prevent osteoporosis, that, that it's good for your bone health, and that it will also prevent cancer. So I did some Googling and I made my way to some websites that I would not normally frequent. Um, And I just wanted to read a quote. So this is a quote taken, I I won't name it, but it's a a wellness center for integrative medicine. And this is what what they're claiming. And I just want to be clear. I want to preface this. This is not a medical website. (laughs) This is no scientific basis. And that's something that we're going to dig into, of course, on this episode. Uh, But this is what they claim. The foods that you can that you eat can alter your pH level. This may not seem important. However, if your body is too acidic, a variety of health problems can occur. Virtually all types of diseases thrive in an an acidic environment. In fact, too much acidity has been linked to inflammation, heart disease, obesity, diabetes, autoimmune disease, chronic pain, and other chronic conditions. Understanding pH levels, the symptoms of high acidity in the body, and which foods are acidic or alkaline can help improve your health and extend your longevity. Suffering from any of the symptoms of high acidity, our holistic practitioners specialize in balancing your pH. So, 
you know, let's dig into this, Andrea. Mm-hmm. Um, as we'll we'll talk about on this episode, you know, the, the main claim is that eating a diet that's high in alkaline-based foods is going to create an internal environment that discourages the development of cancer and other illnesses. And proponents of this diet say that this is based in science. But let's let's debunk this. Or let's Please. Can you tell us, you know, what are we talking about? We talk about acidity, alkalinity. What does that mean? Teach uh, us. All right. So <laughs> pH is a scale that we use to measure the acidity or alkalinity of a substance. So the actual calculation to determine what the pH value of something is relates to how many hydrogen ions are present. So hydrogen ions contribute to the acidity of a substance. So the pH is a, is a logarithmic baked scale. So it's, it's uh folds of 10 for each unit that you increase. Um, And it's inversely proportional. The scale ranges from zero to 14. The value of seven is considered a neutral pH. Less than seven is considered acidic. Greater than seven is is considered basic or or alkaline. And we're going to put up a little... image of the pH scale with some common substances for your references uh, for all you listeners on our website that's going to be affiliated with this episode for you guys to check out. Um, but, But really, you know, the logic of that paragraph from that wellness center is that somehow you can change the pH of your body by changing what you're eating. And and the proponents, again, are saying that you can do this, this changing of the pH to improve your health and help you prevent cancer or help you prevent other illnesses or help you even lose weight. Um, Now, I want to be clear, there's no way that the foods you eat can actually alter the pH of your blood. And blood is obviously, that's going to be the thing that is, you know, providing nutrients to all of the organs and cells of your body. So um, the body's pH in general, even amongst organs, we're going to talk about a little bit more that have specific different pHs. It's very tightly regulated. So, you know, if you change your diet, um, you know, really shifted dramatically in one direction or the other, you might see changes in the saliva or your urine because those are actually waste that you're excreting reading. Um, but you can you can't actually change the pH of your body or blood by changing your diet. Our blood pH is maintained at this value of 7.4. So it's actually considered slightly alkaline compared to the neutral value of 7. Um, and if we were to change it in either direction, even just a small increment, um, we would die ultimately um, in the end. So so changing your pH, even if you could, is a bad thing. Um, but, you know, we're able to actually maintain this because we have this, you know, phenomenal network of what we call um, buffer systems, which enable us to maintain this state of homeostasis. So homeostasis is the ability to maintain equilibrium within a body, within an organism, within a situation. So these are physical equilibrium, chemical equilibrium, and, and these this homeostasis is required for survival, for healthy, you know, body function, for, um, you know, healthy immune function, all of these things. And, and these 
factors are temperature, fluid balance, electrolyte balance, and of course, pH. So, you know, the alkaline diet promotes this fallacy that you can change your blood pH with your diet. And, and of course, this is untrue. Um, as we mentioned, you know, anything that you would change is, is ultimately going to be normalized by these buffer systems and any difference, any, you know, differential is going to be excreted um, by these buffer systems. So, you know, buffers do what that word means. They buffer things. They they maintain this equilibrium, even if you're putting pressure in one direction or the other. So if you take in a lot of acid, it's going to shift. It's going to normalize that acid and it's going to maintain the, the pH. And in physiology, these are substances, these are solutions, these are molecules, and they resist those changes in pH, even if you're consuming things that are well above or below the pH of our blood. Mm-hmm. 